Any of that. Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. Today we are beginning a new series called Be Rich, where we are talking about what it looks like for those of us who are rich. Now I recognize not everybody feels like they're rich, but on the off chance that you ever end up rich, how do we behave? How do we be rich to the people around us? Stick around. Now, today's message and starting this brand new series, um, I am going to be talking to all the rich people in the room and all the rich people watching or listening online. That is who I'm going to talk to today. In fact, that is the scripture and who Paul, which we're going to look at a little later, is talking to today. Now, for most of you, we have already arrived at a problem. Uh, Most of you, if I'm talking to all the rich people, would say, well, then today is not for me. Okay? Okay. Only the front row feels that way, but that's fine. Um, yeah, you don't feel like it's me, and I completely understand that. You do not feel rich, and, and to be honest with you, as I was thinking about that, only once, once do I think, as a pastor at least, I have ever had anyone come up to me and just say, you know, Taylor, I just want to be honest with you. I feel, and I believe I am, last time I checked my bank statement, incredibly rich. Nobody does that. Nobody admits that they are rich, let alone thinks or feels that they are rich. However, I have often heard from people. In fact, you have probably said to another person or heard somebody say this to somebody else, something along the lines of finances are a bit tight right now. Or I am going through not just a week of bills, I am going through a whole season of bills. Like, I just cannot stop them from racking up. For some of you, you're like, I just need a better job so that I can get a better income and pay those mounting bills. Some of you would say, I wish there was more than just one zero on the balance of my bank account. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, four more zeros or five more zeros. That would be pretty incredible. Because very few people have I met, you've met, and probably you feel, very few people feel or are what we would consider or consider themselves rich. So, before we go any farther in today's message and any farther in this series, I want to get on the same page with you all about what qualifies someone as rich. Now, for some of you, this is just kind of going to be interesting because you don't really foresee yourselves ever becoming rich in your life. So you can sit back and say, well, this is interesting. For others of you, you have visions of grandeur and you plan, your goal is to one day become rich. That is why you bought about a dozen $1 billion lotto tickets. And then you're still here, okay? (laughs) But I'm really glad, glad to see you, okay? Now, Um, I want to start off with some things, in fact, just two things, that I think if this applies to you, then there is a chance that you could be rich, or for those of you who are hoping to one day get there, these are some, some things you can expect from being, or that come along with, or side effects of being rich, okay? So, number one, you may be rich if you are discontent. Isn't that encouraging? You are discontent. Or another way of saying it is, it's never enough. And the funny thing about rich people, I don't know if you've noticed this, is rich people aren't even sure what it is. They're not even sure what they don't have enough of. They just don't know they don't have enough. Did you follow that? I'm not even sure if I followed that. (laughs) Rich people don't even know what the it is that they think they need more of. 
or have more of or want more of. And I think there is no better place in people's lives of discontentment, um, in general even, uh, than stuff. That we just, for some reason, we just love stuff. Some of you love stuff so much, you have closets for your stuff. It's really incredible. And the thing about stuff, and the thing about maybe just wealth in general, is, and you may never have thought about it this way, but I would call that an appetite. An appetite. That it is something, stuff is, things are, things that you hunger for. It is an appetite. Now, the thing about appetites, and you know this, if you feed an appetite, does that appetite shrink or does it grow? Yeah, it grows. And you can ask um, our dog, Ori, okay? He <laughs> feeds his appetite all the, all the time, and I'm trying to cut back because he needs to lose like 10 pounds, okay? But how do I get Ori's appetite to shrink. I feed him less. Not so that he starves, but that he learns to live and be a healthy dog with a little bit less than he hungers for. Because if you feed an appetite, it grows. And I think we've all had seasons, at the very least seasons in our lives, where we have been hungry for more stuff or things, and the more we get, the more or someone has, the more we tend to want. We want bigger than, better than, or more of something. Now, there's many examples of this discontentment, but one of those examples that I see in rich people's lives, um, and it's something that you may have heard of, okay, is this one particular behavior. It's called upgrading, okay? Now, if you don't know what upgrading is, let me tell you, it's something that rich people do, all right? Upgrading is when you have something that works fine, okay? And instead of keeping it, you go and pay more money to get something that essentially does the exact same thing, plus or minus a feature or two. Upgrading. Let me give you an example of this. An example of this that rich people sometimes do is they will take their car and they will drive it onto a car dealer's lot and they will give the dealer their car and then they will give the dealer more of their money and they will drive away with pretty much the exact same thing that they drove onto the lot with. Something that gets them from point A to point B. And then is what's even more incredible, when they get home, they put that A to B thing, a vehicle, into a house. Pretty crazy, isn't it? They have houses for their cars. Just like they have houses for their children, they have houses for their cars. Another thing that rich people may do, you may be familiar with this regarding upgrading, is they will go into their kitchens, a kitchen with countertops, a kitchen with a microwave and a stove and a refrigerator and cabinets, and they will rip it all out. And you will never guess what they put back into that kitchen. <laughs> countertops, a microwave, a dishwasher, a refrigerator, and cabinets. I know. It's crazy. I know. And you're laughing because it's just really incredible to think about that somebody would do such a thing. Okay? Um, another thing they will do, and I need your help on this one. It's going to be a little fill in the blank. Let's see if, you're, if you've heard of this behavior before. Sometimes rich people will walk into their closets, which, is, which are filled with clothes, 
okay? Are we going to be honest with ourselves? <clears throat> and they look at the closet and say, I don't have anything to wear. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? That's what rich people will do. And then they'll go out and they'll buy more of the stuff that their closets are already full of. And what's really incredible is if you look in the closet, most people already have work clothes, workout clothes, after work clothes, work in the yard clothes, swimming clothes. I mean, they have clothes specific to going into large bodies of water. Sleeping clothes, as if any of the other clothes preceding this were not appropriate for sleeping. And then holiday clothes, etc. Rich people do that kind of stuff. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it is truly difficult to imagine being rich, isn't it? You may be rich, number two. You guys are loving this, aren't you? <clears throat> you may be rich if you are in denial. If you are in denial, which is really a strange thing because, um, like, tall people admit that they're tall. And your boss admits that they are your boss. They are the boss. Athletic people admit that they're athletic. Introverts do not hesitate to tell me every Sunday that they hate the three minutes of getting to know you time. Extroverts can't stop telling me how much they love that time and how much it means to them that we do that. People admit the truth generally sometimes about themselves, but when it comes to rich, people hardly, if ever, tell you or admit that they're rich. And it kind of makes sense in a way, and I thought this was kind of an interesting fact, so I wanted to share it with you. Um, and we may need to adjust for inflation because this study was about seven years ago in about 2011. And they did a study, Gallup did a study of all Americans and said, how much do you have to make in yearly income to be rich? To which the average American said $150,000. That if I made and you made $150,000, you would be, and you would consider yourself rich. However, I have spoken to many people who made that much. Especially when I lived out in Seattle and I pastored out in Seattle. Like, most people's starting salary at Amazon was this. Or Microsoft. And I talked to them, and not one of them ever told me that they felt or were rich. And I think it's really interesting because if you make $150,000 or more a year, you are exceptionally rich. In fact, if you make $150,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world world. Isn't that incredible? Now, fun, let's, I'd like to play a fun game with you. How many of you want to take a stab at how much you have to make? What is the line that you have to make to be considered one of the top 1% income earners in the entire world as of this year? So close. It's actually $32,400. You are close. $32,400. If you make $32,400, you are out of 7.7 .7 billion people in the world. You are in the top 1% of income earners in the world. 
And that's the response that I expected you to make. I mean, most of you just found out that you are the top 1% richest people in the world. Maybe some of you online were cheering because nobody in here was very excited about that. I mean, listen, my friends, you don't even have to get rich. You are rich, and for some of you, you've been rich for like years, and you didn't even know it. I mean, come on, hallelujah, praise the Lord, am I right? Yes, thank you. Yeah, not only are you rich now, but you are rich for some of you the rest of your life because of how much you've been able to save and retirement and all that stuff. I mean, this is great news. And especially if you make the Johnson County average income, you're almost double almost double that figure. I mean, you have to leave encouraged today. Am I right? But most of you, right, most of you, some of you at least, are feeling anything but encouraged. In fact, some of you, I'm going to be honest, you're feeling a little defensive, feeling a little bit on edge, especially because we're talking about money, especially because the pastor and the pastor of a church is talking about money, and that's like the last thing the last person you want to be hearing about money from. So I just want to, right off the bat, address three things. Three things. And the first is that this today, this message today, and even next week, and I think even the week after that, has nothing to do about giving to the church. Okay? You do not have to give more or less to the church in regards to this message. Okay, so you can just let that burden go. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to give money to the church. The second thing I want to address is for some of you, you may be a little defensive or, uh, you know, kind of holding this idea close or holding that whole money thing, and I like money and I don't know about this, a little close, because you think that every church and every pastor is against money, that Jesus was against money, that Paul, who's about, we're about to read about, was against money, and I just want to let you know that they, including myself, are not, were not against money. Because money is ethically what we call amoral. It is neither good and it is neither bad. It's what you do with it. It's how it is a reflection of in here that dictates if it's good or if it's bad. The church is not against money. Jesus was not against money, and I'm not against money. And number three, Number three. And the third thing I think is honestly the biggest hurdle for you and as well for me when it comes to money and when it comes to considering yourself as perhaps a little wealthier than you think you are. And that is what we're specifically going to address today. The biggest hurdle for you and for me is that whether or not the math says we're rich, we don't feel rich. We don't feel rich. Despite the fact that it is an undeniable fact that the math may say that you are in the top 1%, or if you're not quite at that number in average household income, maybe you're a little bit lower than that, you are at least in the top 5% of income earners in the world. Despite the math that says that you are, you struggle when it comes to viewing your financial situation, your finances, as feeling rich, or excuse me, and you struggle with it, it's because you don't feel like you are rich. See, you, and sometimes I, I, I completely empathize with, with this, you feel like you put in an honest day's work. You work hard, and you do a good job. And some of you, you put in extra hours to make ends meet. 
Yet at the end of the day, your bank statement doesn't reflect what you want it to reflect. You work really, really hard, but then you look at that account balance, and then you look at the house that you want, and there's such a big gap, it is frustrating. For some of you, you look at what you have, and then you look at what other people have, and you're like, gosh, I just feel behind. I don't feel rich. I feel behind. For some of you, you look at the past, and then you look at now, and you're like, gosh, I thought I would have come farther by now. Had I not made some of the decisions in the past, even though they may have even been the right thing to do, you feel like, oh my gosh, why am I not farther ahead? And it doesn't feel like you've come far enough, fast enough, and there's just too big of a gap when you look at your wealth. In fact, for some of you, you feel bad because you feel like you've gone backwards. And that is exceptionally difficult to process. You do not feel rich. Now, I want to let you know why it is that you do not feel rich. Because otherwise, I know you because I know me. You will not hear out the rest of today's message if we don't address this one thing. You do not feel rich because... We, all of us, don't have, or most of us, don't have margin. That M word, margin. The richest, for example, that I ever felt in my life was when I was in college, and I got hired on to work um, at the help desk at the college that I was attending, which meant I got to fix people's computers, get rid of your viruses, and support pretty much all the infrastructure for the entire college campus. And I never felt richer because, my friends, I was making $9 an hour. Mm -hmm. And I was working 15 hours a week. Incredible. I was making, when after taxes, I was bringing home like $250 in my first paycheck. I mean, that is raising a family kind of money. That is building a house kind of money. My friends, I felt so wealthy. Now, a big part of that had to do with the fact that I was still living at home. <laughs> so every cent and every dollar that I made, I just got to deposit it because I had no expenses. So the bottom line is, if you want to feel rich again, you need to move back in with your parents, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <clears throat> just kidding. But it helps give you, allow you to feel like you have margin. I felt rich because I got to pocket every dollar that I made. I mean, adults, think about this. When was the last time that you got to pocket every dollar you worked hard to earn? Who knows? Can't even remember. It's such a blur, right? Especially once you had kids. I mean, that thing's just like a black hole. Okay. One of you. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine, just, just for a second. I know this is going to get you a little too happy, but just imagine for a second, and then I've got to bring it back to reality. For imagine, for the rest of the year, that every dollar you made between now and December 31st, you got to pocket expense-free. Do you think you would feel a little bit richer if that were the case? I think so. May not be a lot, but you'd certainly feel richer. Why? Because you now have margin. 
margin. The richest you will ever feel is when you have the greatest margin in your finances. And the most financial stress you will ever feel is when you have very, very little margin. Or, as some of you have experienced, when you have a negative margin. When you're losing money every month. Those are the least, the, um, the last, or the most, uh, what am I even saying? You're not going to feel rich, okay? <laughs> now, we're going to expand on that in the next coming weeks, and we'll talk specifically about that kind of thing. But I want to just leave that there, and I wanted to address that because I don't want that to hold you back from where we're going. Because in the next week, um, we're going to do baptisms, and we're going to talk about this even more. And then the third week and the fourth week, I've got a couple surprises for you, so I hope that you're going to be here. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk through this a little bit more and get hopefully a little bit more practical. Um, I think it'll be helpful for, with you, uh, for you. Again, I'm not going to ask you to give to the church any more or less. This is just simply for you when we address what, what uh, margin and the topic around it. Now, all this is to say that I want us to at least consider there is a difference between being rich and feeling rich. Usually we don't put a line between the two of them. Usually we just operate off of this right here, whether we feel rich or not. But I want us to separate the two of them because I hope that you are willing to consider that you are at least in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world, if not the top 1% of wealthiest people in the world. Because this is not a feeling thing. This is just what we call a math thing. Okay? A math thing. And this is an undeniable. This is a variable. But I want you to also understand the reason that you may not always feel the richest is because there is not a lot of margin when it comes to your financial situation. And that has to do with margin more than anything else. Now, this is important because Paul is going to begin this little section that we're going to look at this week and next week, and he is writing to Timothy. Timothy is his protege, and Timothy, Timothy's helping him start churches and, and pastoring churches and keeping everybody in line, okay? And Paul, maybe, maybe Timothy told him about this, or Paul knew some of the people that Timothy was ministering to, and Paul knew that the people that were in the church, just like you, meeting like this, um, in the church 2,000 years ago, had wealth. And so Paul is like, Timothy, I need you to pay attention, and I want you to tell the rich people in the room some things that they need to understand and commands they need to follow. So this is how he begins this section. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age. Okay, now, I'm not going to go on in this verse because we're going to pick this verse up next week because it really works well with what we're going to talk about next week. But he is talking to the rich people in the room. And so today, I hope you would be willing to consider if he is talking to you and me. Maybe you don't feel like it, but mathematically, you may fit in those who are rich. And here's what he says. Here's the command that he gives Timothy to pass along to the rich people. He says, command them to do good and to be rich, that's our series, be rich in what? Good deeds. And to be rich in your generosity. This is a financial term. 
not just to give things away, but specifically addressing the finances. Be generous and willing to share. And I don't think I really have to go too far into this, because most of you know what good deeds are. And most of you know, whether you like to admit it or not, know what it means to be generous. And the reason that I bring up this verse, and the reason I hope you will consider whether you are rich or not, and whether this may apply to you, is because of what we're going to do this entire month. My friends, we are this month, and I hope into the future, and I know we will continue to be in the future, but that this month especially, we will be rich. And it is going to be a whole lot of fun. And I hope it will stir some things in here that may be new for you, may be challenging for you, but that you would not just take today and say, oh my gosh, you talked about money and now I'm going to a church and it's my first time and they're talking about money. Can you believe that? That's like the worst nightmare. <laughs> not asking you for money. You don't have to give a single dollar to this church. My promise, okay? And you can still come, keep coming here. It's, it's totally okay. But that we would, as a community, Jesus followers or not, because you can be a Jesus follower and you should abide by this command, or you're not a Jesus follower and you can still be a part of this, that we would be rich in good deeds and financially generous to the people and the community around us. Now, here's the thing I know about you, is that you are already some of the most generous people that I know, and even if it's your first time, I'm just going to assume that because you showed up that you are a part of it at least this morning, okay? That you are some of the most generous people that I know. For example, some of you show up over half of the weeks in the year, okay? There's 52 weeks in the year, so you're showing up over 25 weeks of the year, and you show up here on Sunday mornings, one of your few days off at 7.30 in the morning, you unload literally a ton of, tons of equipment out here, rain or shine, today was a great day, 100 degrees or negative 10 degrees, you show up and make what we do on Sunday, this environment, this incredible environment, possible. You're very generous. You take time out of your week to prep kids' materials, you take time out of your week to serve here and throughout the week, we're to lead groups. You even, I think, get this, you even believe in and invest in a church that doesn't even have a building. I mean, what kind of church is that? Yet you still show up, and you still participate, and you get involved. And in the past, you have been exceptionally generous. No strings attached, no strings attached. You have given a few thousand dollars in the last two years to pay off the lunch debt here at Clear Creek Amanda Schools. You have supported hurricane relief. You have put on fun events for literally, not understating, thousands and thousands of people each year in our community. You fund it, you show up, you serve at it, and you make it happen. You invest thousands of dollars. A couple years ago, you invested thousands of dollars in a community that was not your own to reach them for Jesus, which is pretty incredible. You've donated thousands of equipment, uh, school, uh, equipment to this school. The chairs you're sitting on, we raised money, and we purchased them, and we gave them to the school, okay? 
that's not ours anymore. We gave them to the school. And I think that's incredible that, hey, we need them to, to happen on Sunday for you to have a place to sit. But we said, no, it's just yours anyways. You use them however you want throughout the week. We're just so glad that you've allowed us to be a part of your community. You have served at school functions, whether you even have kids or in the school district or not. You have supported nonprofits in our community. You have supported international efforts. You have given well over 600 gifts. It's really probably quite an understatement. In partnership with other churches around the community to kids who are in need. We're going to do that again this year. Um, uh, giving tree to people who are in need in this, di- uh, this school district as well as the Iowa City School District over the last few years. You are some of the most generous people I know. Why do you do that? Because you know you know, deep down, at the end of the day, we are all, especially in comparison to the world, we are all at the very least pretty blessed. It may be that we don't have a lot of margin at the end of the month, but that we are still blessed. And in fact, you may even deep, deep down accept and realize that as far as humanity goes, you're pretty rich. And there are many, many people who are not. And as Jesus followers, for those of you who consider themselves Jesus followers, the rest of you can just kind of let it go in in one ear or out the other, or you can jump in and participate how much or little you want. For the Jesus followers that you know deep down because of the many blessings you have and the richness you really do have, that this Being rich in good deeds and being generous applies to you. And to be generous to the community and the people and the world who are not as fortunate. So all month, this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I really promise you, if you jump in and be a part, we're going to do some good deeds. Okay? Now, you can do this on your own, in your own time, with your own creativity, and I really, really encourage you to do this, to go above and beyond what you normally do, to think in terms of, hey, how can I do good deeds? How can I be rich in good deeds? I get to the end of the week, and I'm looking at what I did, and I'm like, wow, I was rich in good deeds, kind, generous deeds to other people. You can do this individually, but uh, for a couple of us, um, we're going to do some activities throughout the month. Um, At the end of the month, we're going to kick off our giving tree, which we do every year. We're going to partner with area churches, um, as well as the school district here, which is the part that I really really love that we get to specifically address people who are in need because they build great relationships here at Clear Creek and Manna, and so we get to um, join them and walk alongside them and supporting people who um, need it most. Um, we're going to go over to our local care centers. We've done this the last couple years. It's been really, really awesome. We're going to do it earlier this year, not just like right before Christmas. We're going to do it early so that people can look at these cards. We're going to write people cards, and we're going to go visit them and love on them because there are a number of people, if you've ever been to some of our care centers in the area, there are a number of people who no one shows up to visit them for the holidays. So we're going to do that. And I'm going to tell you how as we continue this series. Um, Some of you who are involved in community groups, you're going to get involved in your group to serve the community in some ways. Um, One of the groups, um, you're going to pack sack lunches of non-perishable goods, and then we're going to leave them out in the back, and all of you can take them 
put them in, their car, in your car. They'll be fine all winter long because the worst thing they're going to do is freeze. And then you can hand them out to homeless people alongside the road as you're driving around Iowa City and it's really cold outside and you can just give out free lunches. And then hopefully you see how awesome it is and you just do it on your own with your family and your kids and you are just generous in good deeds. And hopefully you start getting creative and figuring out ways in which you can do that on your own. And I'm going to share more of these good deeds as we get going, okay? And then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to be financially generous, okay? Now, I want to be really clear on this. We are not going to raise money. As I was thinking about this message, I don't know about you, but when I think we're going to raise something, if we're going to raise money, all I could think of in my mind is we're just going to like get a whole pile of cash and then just stick it on the floor and make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's not what we're doing. We're not raising money. We're investing money. A hundred percent of every dollar you are going to, or I hope you will consider giving to be rich, is going to go to people who need it most. Organizations and community partners that we've found um, who could benefit from an extra couple hundred dollars, or if you are so generous, maybe even a thousand dollars to help um, subsidize their budgets or allow them to do things that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. And I've said this before, we are a church of one staff person. And I will let you guess on who that is, okay? And by staff, I mean that they're paid. There's only one person in this church that is paid. And though that person is a fairly decent person, that person cannot do it all, okay? And so we're instead going to partner with people who can do it all, or at least do a better job than we can okay? And we're going to go to them and say, hey, how can we help you? And here's a check to help you get to where you need to go. Now, in the last few weeks, I've been asking you for recommendations and ideas of places that we can invest, places that we can serve. And, and so based on those recommendations, um, we've kind of whittled it down. We're not fully there yet. We're still working on some um, conversations and partnerships, and it kind of depends on, on how, how uh, be rich you want to be. Um, but uh, the, the first thing um, that uh, we're going to do is we're going to give to um, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, specifically to Nepal. And the reason why we're going to do that is because about three years ago, Nepal had a, a massive earthquake. It killed about 9,000 people, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were injured. And what's very difficult, for example, if you've watched anything on the news about the hurricanes, like the hurricane in North and South Carolina, it's never the cities that suffer the greatest um, um, disparity. It's always the rural areas, okay? Those are the hardest hit areas because generally um, access to food and water as well as redevelopment funds are not focused on the rural areas. It's mainly the cities, and this has happened in Nepal, but what Nazarene Compassion Ministries has done is they've gone in, and they've created a sustainable process of helping families in these rural areas to not just get out of, not just survive and to meet their daily needs, but to get out of poverty through education and helping kids and all that, and those, I think, are the most awesome opportunities we have um, to not just make a a momentary difference, but to make a long-term difference. Um, We're also going to give to uh, UNICEF. It's an awesome organization. Um, It's through the United Nations, and um, specifically UNICEF addresses, if you're not familiar with them, kids' needs. And I don't know if you've noticed, um, it is truly, truly 
I mean, it is just heartbreaking. What is going on right now in uh, the country of Yemen, okay? There is a war going on, there's a blockade, and thousands and thousands of children are going, um, uh, they're starving. They're starving to death. And uh, maybe you've seen through your news feed on social media or certainly through the major news outlets a picture of a young girl just just practically her bones um, and uh, just making people aware of the crisis in Yemen. And she has passed away this last week, um, but there is a massive need, and, and really the biggest limitation is our ability to support and fund them. And UNICEF does a fantastic job of not only providing food, but they provide vaccinations and um, child care and education and all these things specifically for kids. And so we're going to give a little bit um, to them as well, specifically again to um, the crisis that is going on in Yemen. And if you haven't read about that or seen the pictures, I really encourage you to do. They will break your heart, but they will help you to understand truly how rich, rich we are, and to read their stories. Read the story of the little girl and how she was in the hospital, and they had to make room, so they kicked her out, and she could not make it 15 miles to a Doctors Without Borders hospital because they didn't have money for gas, because gas prices are so inflated. They're literally right next to Saudi Arabia, the richest oil, almost the richest oil country in the world, but they cannot get gas to get 15 miles to a Doctors Without Borders um, facility, okay? Then locally, we're going to give to organizations like I See Compassion. Um, They have a food bank on the east side of Iowa City, but the most incredible thing that they do um, uh, is they help um, provide Department of Justice, okay? Federal Department of Justice authorized legal aid and they partner with the University of Iowa Law School, okay, and provide legal aid to our community. They provide legal aid um, to uh, refugees and immigrants to help process them through that in a legal, um, uh, correct fashion, which is really, really incredible. And the stories that come out of that are just as incredible because, and then they also partner with AmeriCorps um, here in Iowa. It's an Iowa-funded. Your tax dollars go to pay for AmeriCorps, and AmeriCorps helps resettle refugees, and they're a conduit to allow that. I mean, just imagine. I mean, think about this. You're in a new country, new language, new culture, and you're coming in, and you have to adapt, and you are coming out of an environment in which everything, most likely, has been left behind, and you are fleeing, in many cases, for your life. Or in a lot of cases, I I can think of a number of stories. In fact, in uh, two weeks, I'm really hoping it works out. This is a little bit difficult to coordinate, but I hope um, we're going to have a video and you're going to be able to hear one of these stories. Um, It is uh, painful and it is encouraging and it is very real. And so I hope you're here in two weeks to, to, to watch that if we can, if we can make this happen. Um, but one of the stories, uh, a good friend of mine, I've gotten to meet him. Um, he, he came over here to the United States um, to seek asylum and that means he can be here, but his family has to be back home, and he has pretty much been without his family for almost a decade now. I mean, many years, if you can imagine that, being apart from your family, you cannot go back, because otherwise you lose um, the status that you have here. He has, since he came here, become a pastor, and he pastors a church in Waterloo, and it is a thriving church, and even in some of the most challenging times in his lives, when his family is under threat for their lives, and he can do nothing about it, he is here. He's here worshiping and starting a church and bringing light to the world, which I think is incredible. So, um, and so we're going to watch a story about that, hopefully, 
not him, but another individual um, here in a couple weeks. We're going to partner with Table to Table. If you've not heard of them, they're an incredible organization. They're, uh, they save food. So they go to Hy-Vee and they go to restaurants and any uh, food that they can salvage, they do, and they take it to people who need it most. Over the time that they have existed in Iowa City, they have saved um, about 18 million, with an M, tons of food just in the Iowa City area alone, and got it to people who need it the most, and so we want to give to them. And then we're going to give, um, just like we have in the past, we're going to give to our lunch fund here um, so that um, we can help families, um, especially around the holidays, not have to worry about um, paying their food, uh, their kids' lunch debt off, and the school has been great to help us with that. So now here's what I need from you. And rarely if I ever standing up here and asking you, like, you really should do something, Okay. I invite you to do something, but today I'm going to say that you really, really should do something. Because if we get everyone to join in, each and every single one of you, every individual in here or watching online, if you join in for the low, low price of $74.94, we can make all this happen. In fact, today alone, if every individual get here, and I actually think I lowballed it because looking out there, there's a lot of you more than I even bargain for in this number. If everyone here gives $74.94, today I know we can give away $3,000. Boom. Just give it away to people who need it most and instantly make a difference in people's lives, okay? And so what I want you to think about is, do you have a margin of $74.94 in your life right now? Are you perhaps richer than you think you are, and can be rich in $74.94. To be rich. And I understand for some of you, $74.94 is a lot right now. And I know in the past you have given, if you could, you would, and you will again in the future, this is not a guilt thing. This is a let's make a difference and be rich kind of a thing. And others of you, you look at this and you realize, you know what, when it comes to the margin of my life, I can handle this and I could probably handle a bit more. Because if you think about it, this is how multiplication works. If you didn't pay attention in your uh, fifth, like first grade math class, I don't even know when they're teaching multiplication now. But if, if everybody doubled that, which would be about $148, if every single person gave $148, we just give away $7,500, boom, just like that, to people who made it, need it most and who we can make a difference with right now, today. Listen, in three weeks, which I'm kind of excited about, once we work out all the kinks, we're going to go live, okay? So that you don't even have to come to church if you don't want to. I really hope you do, but you don't have to. And so if you're sitting there and like, that's a lot, you know what? For the whole month of December, just watch online, save your gas money, and give it right now, okay? Is that cool? Or you can still come because otherwise it'll be empty out here and I'll feel really bad. But that might have been a little guilt trip, okay? But $74.94. Listen, since I put the Be Rich fund online, okay, somebody already gave 500 bucks. Not kidding you. I looked on it. I put the fund online, I think on Friday, okay? And we already have $500, okay? That's incredible. So we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to be rich. And we're going to be generous. And you don't even have to be a Jesus follower. None of this is going to the church. So if your issue is the church, let that not be an issue. Because we're going to give it to organizations who do incredible things, Christian or not. That's not the point. We're just going to be a light to the world. Okay? So here's what I need you to do. All right? I need you to think about, 
could I find that margin in my life? Then I want you to get that offering envelope out in your program. If you didn't get one, we're going to pass them out in just a second. Or if you're an online kind of person, you can go onto our app or online, find the Be Rich Fund, or write Be Rich right there. Put $74.94 right there in a mountain close. Put that in there, and then we're just going to start giving it away as soon as it comes in um, because we want to be rich. Okay? So that is my ask. And if this is a struggle for you, I invite you to consider why. And to think about it this week. To talk about it this week. If you're married, if you're with someone, have a conversation about it. And what would it look like, especially in the month of thanksgiving for all of us, to be rich? And then be here next week as we pick up for part two. Okay, let me pray for you. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and then we'll sing one more song and get you out of here. Heavenly Father, I just, um, Lord, I pray, just like I prayed earlier this morning, that when it comes to money, our tendency is to kind of clutch that a little bit closer. It's something that we like to get, maybe, or sometimes tend to get a little defensive about. But Lord, my prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that we would not, would not hold that close. Instead, we would open our arms, we would open our palms, and be rich to the community and the people around us. Because at the end of the day, Lord, whether we like to admit it or not, whether we feel rich or not, we are very rich, and we are very blessed. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would help us. Give us the courage. Give us the faith, whatever it takes today. And this week, the following week, to be rich in good deeds and generosity. In your name I pray. Amen.